On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the NBA draft is two days away. It's Gary Trent Jr. decision day with his player option. And you, the listeners, have a ton of questions. We're going to get into our draft week wish list. Get to your questions, talk GTJ, and we're going to do it all with our pal Vivek Jacob at Raptors.com. Let's get to it. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, June the 20th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. You can go and support the show in your favorite podcast apps for free, whether it's audio, you want to go subscribe, follow, rate, review, or if you want to go to YouTube and subscribe to the show as well, it's very much appreciated. It helps juice the stats and make me feel good inside so thank you in advance for doing that uh also a reminder jump into the lockdown raptors discord server it's a lovely little community of listeners we got building around the show it's ratcheting up before thursday i feel like we've had the same conversation about the same four guys over and over but that's just draft time baby so jump in there it's going to be a great place to be on draft night itself plenty of reaction uh plus you know we got channels for other stuff like tears of the kingdom and the blue jays and whatever other else stuff i feel like adding a channel for whenever i feel like it come hang out link is in the description of the podcast it's super duper fun we'd love to have you all right let's get to it we are but 48 i guess 60 or so maybe hours away from the nba draft the subterfuge is uh, out of control uh, yesterday we got the sort of dueling leaks it seems from toronto and portland about oh toronto we're not we're fine we're not trading anybody. It's all good. Portland, like, ah, oh, we, we're going to need uh, you know, them to stop being so stubborn and make a deal with us. Uh, you know, if it's coming from both sides, baby, we got some uh, <laughs> negotiations going on, I think. Um, either way, here to break down what's going on in the NBA rumor mill. Talk about Gary Trent Jr.'s option and get to your mailbag questions. It is our pal, Big V. Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Big V, how the hell are you, pal? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to, you know, get into this week of potentially craziness and we'll see how they play out what are the odds here you know we're, we're building this up it's very exciting yesterday Raphael Barlow on this podcast talking about you know what there's some actually some noise there with Portland Toronto could go down uh you know everyone's very excited what are the odds anything actually happens are we just going to be sitting there oh 13th pick that's it draft night's over go to bed early is that like the the most likely outcome here <laughs> it, it's the most likely outcome but I will say that, you know, if you were to weigh up what are the odds Toronto does something major between like what it was, say, last summer, what mm. it was at the trade deadline, what it was, what it is now, yeah. I would say now is probably the highest. I think you're totally right. I think, you know, the, the situation the Blazers find themselves in with the Hornets being the Hornets and like maybe going Brandon Miller it just created this like perfect storm of circumstances for rumor and conjecture and whether or not anything comes of it, who's to say, but like 
rarely do I talk about a fake trade or certain fake trade scenario and think, you know what, this is like actually realistic, but I actually kind of find that it is in this case. And like both teams might kind of get what they're looking for. If the Raptors and Blazers are to come together on something, you know, maybe there's some other trade out there too, but Toronto Portland feels like the most likely here. We shall see. Speaking of Portland, a former Portland Trail Blazers, now currently playing for your Toronto Raptors, is uh, got a decision today. We're recording this at 9.20 a.m. And so uh, forgive us if we already have the conclusion of this saga by the time you listen to this. Maybe we have to analyze it from both outcomes and then just, you know, pick your <laughs> which one you listen to if and when it does happen today. Uh, but Gary Trent Jr., well, reports today is his option day, uh, 18.5, 18.6 million bucks. And, uh, you know, we've seen Draymond Green turn down his option. Fred Van Vliet's turned down his option. Yet to hear what's going on with Gary Trent Jr. What's your feeling on this, Big V? I, I think there was this sort of assumption almost at the start of the offseason, like, oh, well, Gary's obviously going to opt out. I was a little less convinced of that just because I didn't think there was a ton of cap space around the league and the teams with cap space probably had higher priorities than Gary Trent Jr. And I'm starting to feel like maybe that was the right line of thinking. Where are you at with Gary? Will it be even beneficial for him to opt out at this point? He's making 18.6 million bucks. He can re-enter free agency next year in a sort of environment that maybe there won't be all that much more flexibility as the second apron comes in, but it doesn't feel like there's a ton of room around the league for a guy like Gary Trent Jr. to just kind of walk into somebody's cap space. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the magic go and do it, but where are you at with Gary Trent Jr. and your sort of belief that he will or will not pick up his option today? Yeah, I think with Gary, what you have to evaluate is on some level, I think every team, every player is looking at the Bradley Beal deal and right. saying, hey, like how conscious are teams of like even like a slight overpay now? Uh, right. You know, keeping that second apron in mind, whatever it is. Uh, and so if you're an upcoming free agent um, or you have a decision to make, I, I think that is something you're kind of factoring in. Uh, and so if you're Gary, the question is, hey, do I opt into this now? Have a heck of a year and then feel like teams will maybe pony up uh, mm -hmm. next season? Or, you know, is now the time for me to cash in while maybe they don't feel as much of a crunch about the second apron mm -hmm. now as they might next season? Right. Uh, and so I think that's what he's got to weigh up. Um, I would probably still lean towards, you know, opting out. Mm -hmm. um, because I think, you know, I, I don't think it'll be as real as when it's like actually on you, right? Like all the second <laughs> apron stuff. So, sure. um, so I, that's the way I'd lean, but, you know, I could also see himself, uh, talking his way into like, Hey, there's a new coach here. Uh, maybe they're trending towards development. Maybe that gets me more looks, all of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then next season, uh, next off season, you look pretty different. What do you think is the best thing for the Raptors? Is it just he opts in and then it gives him another year to kind of figure out what Gary Trent Jr. is, whether he fits into their plans, or is there something to the idea of maybe like the extra flexibility that you get if he does walk and you're not looking to bring him back? Maybe you kind of funnel that money towards taking care of Fred Van Vliet or whatever. Where are you at as far as like what the best outcome here is? Yeah, I mean, from the Raptors' perspective, I think if he opts in, uh, you are probably looking to move him by the deadline. Right. Uh, and and just, you know, sort of reset the timeline a little bit with that. Uh, I think uh, it's probably the best case scenario for the Raptors that he does opt in. Yeah. Um, but 
again, I think because of that case, I still lean towards opting out. Yeah, I think if he opts in, I do think it's a bit of the load off the mind because I like ultimately, you know, we'll get into our like, sort of wish list for this week and, and going into free agency. But ultimately, having both Fred and Gary walk on you is a non-starter. You can't have that happen. It's just too much shooting going out the door for a team that already doesn't have enough shooting. And, you know, regardless of whether you think they should be trying to be competitive next year or not, you want to have shooting on the roster because that is conducive to better development, to better offense, to putting guys in a position to actually succeed and grow and get better. And so I just I don't think you can lose them both. And if Gary takes care of the decision and says, you know what, I'm opting in, we'll figure it out, then I think that is a real sort of load off the mind. Not to say that it's a good thing if you lose Fred Van Vliet for nothing, but I think you can absorb the blow a little bit more. Obviously, you're not going to find someone as good as Fred Van Vliet out there. Um, but you know, can you get a 70% stopgap for a year? Can you go make some trade for, for a guy? You know, there, there are options there if Fred's gone, but if both guys walk, boy, like that is just, it's a disaster for the front office. Like it's a total misreading of their ability to retain their three pending UFAs and sort of get the most out of their, their, their time with the team. And so, um, I, I think it is better for the team if he opts in, we'll see Maybe by the time this airs, you probably already know, but um it's a it's a big one for the raptors it kind of it's like the first domino to fall almost for what should be kind of a crazy next couple of weeks um we're gonna come back on the other side big v we're gonna get into sort of what we want to see out of this week for the raptors and uh, into the free agency period and we will uh then take your mailbag questions we got a couple good ones including is masai ujiri too stubborn a trade negotiation partner we'll get into all that coming up but before we do that however got to tell you about our friends over at BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And look, therapy is something that can be kind of hard to get into, right? It's something that maybe you've thought about getting into, thought about trying, but it's just, you know, ah, therapy, do I need to talk about my feelings with somebody I don't know? Really? It can really help. It really, really can. I know a lot of people who have really benefited from therapy because it brings someone to the table who's just there to hear about you. You're not there sort of talking about your issues with someone who's got an agenda or their own baggage. They're there. Their job is to listen to you and offer you advice to help you through tough life situations, big decisions, job choices, all this stuff. They are there to help you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. That's a big deal because sometimes you don't find the right fit right away, but with BetterHelp, you can switch your therapist anytime, no extra charge, and find the right person for you. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, we continue on here. Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com is here. Uh, let's get into sort of our, our wish, wishes for this week. A little, we got our little lists for uh, Basketball Santa, and we are uh, putting together our wishes for the next few days here, heading into free agency as well. They're kind of all connected here, but, you know... What do you want to see out of this week for the Raptors, Big V? Are you on the side of, let's see a big swing trade, let's go do the thing, let's, you know, shake this thing up, go get a Scoot Henderson or something like that? Again, it feels like a bit of a pipe dream, but uh, anything can happen. feels like it's a little more, less of a pipe dream than a lot of this stuff typically feels this time of year. Um, you know, are you hoping to see them run it back and sort of maintain the status quo and see if Darko Ryakovic is the guy to kind of get the most out of what we all kind of agreed last year was a very talented roster that just underperformed? 
Um, where, where are you at as far as what you would like to see out of the Raptors this week? Big picture stuff that we can get a little bit more specific when it comes to the draft itself, the pick number 13, all of that. But sort of big picture, what's your sort of ideal direction to see the Raptors take this week? Yeah, I mean, I see it as a very talented roster um, individually. I I just don't feel like the pieces fit. Yep. Uh, and so I would not mind seeing uh, the Raptors make a big swing by the deadline. Um, obviously, there the Pascal rumors are there, but uh, I think if if number three is on the table, I, I definitely think it's something you consider. Um, I don't know how real it's going to be. I guess that comes down to how significant uh, a threat the Blazers really feel uh, Dame is to actually, yeah. you know, uh, demand a trade after they make that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if the third pick is on the table, then I, I think that's the way I lean. Um, in terms of, you know, the 13th pick, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I probably like Kobe Bufkin the most. Um, yeah, you do. Welcome. To, I just punched my mic in excitement over Kobe Bufkin. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I, he's the best. <laughs> but I think the interesting thing is after that, I lean towards the forwards more than I do the the remaining guards. Interesting. Okay. Um, as you know, as opposed to like, it, it's, if Bufkin's off the board, um, I'd, I'd almost rather have uh, like a Koulibaly than a Shafino or um, interesting. Yeah, or even a Nick Smith Jr. Uh, so, so from that perspective, I think it's interesting. So, yeah, uh, I would look to make the big swing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. As much as it makes me really sad, because I love Pascal Siakam, and I will be totally fine if Pascal Siakam is on the team next year. Uh, it does feel like this might be that kind of sweet spot opportunity where you know the Raptors are not going to be first in line for a lot of these upcoming superstars and trades, right? Like this is a different kind of star trade for a hypothetical star to be sure. Like there's no saying Scoot Henderson, if he's the guy at three, is going to become a star down the line. It seems quite likely given his build and his pedigree and all this stuff, but there are no guarantees whatsoever in the draft, even at the top. But it, it feels like this is the kind of star trade the Raptors, it's like they're a lot right now because they don't have the hordes of draft picks to go and throw on the table for the next disgruntled star out there on, on, you know, on a veteran contract. They don't have, um, you know, outside of Scotty Barnes, like young, exciting players to throw into these trades either. And so, and that's not to say the Raptors are in a bad spot, like asset wise, they're just in like a disadvantage compared to the teams that have decided to go scorched earth and just say all of the draft picks are ours now four teams control the draft for the next eight years in the entire league um the raptors aren't just they just aren't one of those teams and so this feels like that sort of crossroads that opportunity that masai ojiri is known for taking when there's an opportunity there he's known to strike and this kind of feels like that sweet spot of okay this is not the kind of trade most teams can make because they don't have a player of the caliber to go and pair with damian lillard and so, yeah, it, it does feel like they got to try to get this one over the finish line if they can. Um, I guess, you know, maybe we just pivot into the mailbag question because this is kind of on the topic. There's a mailbag question from our pal Ben Chapman in the Discord asking about, you know, the idea that 
Masai Ujiri, which has been kind of been reported out there a little bit. Matt Moore, I know, had this. And I think it's been kind of in the ether a little bit that there's maybe like a growing sentiment with other executives around the league that Masai Ujiri is just too hard to deal with. And he's too stubborn and he's too high on his guys and he wants too much. I guess this could bleed into this week. You know, maybe there's a situation. I know yesterday in Raphael Barlow's NBA Big Board piece, everyone go subscribe and give Raphael your money. It's wonderful. Um, but he n- noted that, you know, that there's... It, it, again, this isn't reporting. This is just kind of me putting words together in my brain, it's sort of doing two plus two. But Raphael mentioned the idea of, like, Shaden Sharp and whether that's going to be the stumbling block to getting a deal done. If you're Masai Ujiri and the the deal that we've all kind of hypothesized out there is Simons plus three plus whatever salary filler to make it happen for Pascal, if they're also like Shaden Sharp's got to be in the deal, does that feel like a bridge too far for Masai to be like on that? It feels like all like posturing right now and all that stuff, but I, I guess it comes down to do you think there's a point at which they just got to say, okay, maybe this isn't the dream deal that we want. Maybe we're not totally fleecing the Blazers here, but... It's a deal that works for both sides. Is that something that you think you maybe think the Raptors might have to reckon with this week? Uh, I mean, that, that's definitely the way other teams are going to push them to mm-hmm. think. And I think when, when it comes to the Raptors front office, they are the ones who have to evaluate, you know, how much further down the timeline they're willing to go. Was, yeah. you know, in terms of... Uh, you know, at the trade deadline, not doing anything there was, was that to push it to this summer, or was it was it to push it, you know, to even next summer and right. like you know, resign everyone, run it back, see what this team's full potential is uh, with the new coach, and then evaluate from there. Because if mm-hmm. if that's how they, if that's plan A, then they're gonna say, well, okay, you know, yeah, you're, you're not gonna hold. Uh, a toy gun to our head and we're say, under no obligation we have other plans it's fine thank you very much portland exactly mm-hmm. and and so i could totally see that playing out at the same time if they feel that now is the time for the swing if like hey we if it's hey we brought darko ryakovic into the picture because we are definitely leaning younger we brought jama into the picture and we want to start this new window now then you know maybe you do have to pull the trigger but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's the key question now that will get answered this week of like, yeah. is their number one preference to run it back and see what really see what's what in their eyes? Um, or is it, hey, we, we know uh, everything we need to know about this roster. Yeah, for sure. And, and even if it's like, maybe you don't know everything you need to know about the roster. Maybe you want to know more, but also like how often do you get a chance to potentially add Scoot Henderson to your mix? Right. And like, should you change your plans if that becomes an opportunity that's presented to you, you know, kind of more on the Maasai thing and through Ben's question, like, does it bother you that that, that's like the sort of the feeling about the Raptors front office that they are really hard to deal with the way Ben phrased this question, I think is really interesting. You know, yes. Have the Raptors lost sight of the fact that trades are inherently meant to be mutually beneficial, and it's not always about being the definitive winner and the other team being the definitive loser in the transaction. And he kind of also notes that, like, things ain't the same as they used to be. There used to be five to ten dumb teams in the league at any given time that you could wait for to fleece. It seems like there are fewer of those dumb teams now, and so maybe it's just about 
making deals that benefit both sides. Like, I can see kind of both angles of this. Ultimately, though, like, I don't want Masai Ujiri out there being like, yeah, let's just give our players away because you want them. Fine, here you go. Like, let's just settle. I don't think that's how I want my front office operating, but I also understand the other side of this of like, do you perturb all the other execs out there because you are stingy and you are trying to win the deal? It should be noted, I don't think Masai Ujiri is the only one with the ego who wants to win these deals. All of these people in these positions have egos. That's how they got there. And they want to win the deals as well. But where are you at with the sort of idea that the Raptors are too darn stubborn, Big V? So I think the last point you made there is uh, probably paying out, playing out the biggest right now, where it's like these other GMs know what Masai has done in the past, and they're yeah. like, well, that's not happening again. Yeah, we're not getting Doland. <laughs> uh, and on some level, they're probably like, hey, you've won like all these trades that, that you've made. I think it's about time you kind of uh, cooled off a bit. And so sure. I, I think that is playing a factor as well. And so when people are saying Masai is tough to deal with, Masai is probably looking at it and saying, hey, this is our price point. And you may have yours, but mm-hmm. we've seen how things have played out when you kind of hold your price point, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, when Danny Ainge was negotiating uh, with Minnesota, they didn't want to give up as much as they did. But Danny Ainge was kind of like, hey, if this is the player you want, then this is what you're going to have to pay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so he might be just holding his own in that regard and saying, hey, we're perfectly fine with going, uh, you know, re-signing all our guys and going into next summer and we'll see you then. Um, And again, that one of the last points made in Matt Moore's article was, well, why do you keep going back? Well, there's only 30 teams in the league mm-hmm. and there's only so many Pascal Siakams and there's only so many OG Ananobis. Yeah. That's the thing is like, I really hate this whole, Oh, the Raptors are asking for a lot of, for these players. It's like they only won 41 games this year. They can't be that good. It's like, are you dumb? Like, do you know how basketball works? Do you know like how to evaluate an individual player separate from the team that he plays on? OG Ananobi is one of the best defensive players in basketball. He was an all-defense guy. He shoots 38% from three. We just saw what Aaron Gordon did for the Denver Nuggets. We, we like that type of player. Every single team in the NBA should want and should be lining up to get. Of course, Masai Ujiri is not just going to hand them away for like fake first round picks and nonsense. Like, I I just, it's really frustrating when it's like, oh, the Raptors value their guys too high. They're not even that good. Yeah, the team wasn't. The players are. Then it's unquestionable. Pascal Siakam would be the best teammate that Damian Lillard's maybe ever played with outside of like prime LaMarcus Aldridge. And I think there's a debate there. Like, these are, there's a reason that the Raptors are holding firm on these guys, and it's also because they have no obligation to trade them, because they believe internally in their ability to keep their own guys, and so they're not, like, worried about the flight risk as much as some other teams might be either, and they're not the Washington Wizards who are in this, like, horrible predicament that they just have to get out of by making trades where they get nothing back for their all-stars. It's just not the same. And so while I understand from like the fan perspective of just get something done, Messiah, come on. Like I would much rather this be the thing where he's like holding back and saying, you know what, we're not going to do this unless we get our price than just like giving in and being like, all right, well, here's the guys for less than we want. Let's move on and wash our hands with it. That's dumb because there is no obligation for the Raptors to do anything right now. They have the optionality. And I think that's kind of the nice thing about this week is there is a whole bunch of different ways that they can go. 
Let's come back on the other side. I want to get more into wishlisty stuff because we got to the really good mailbag question we had. And I want to talk about OG Ananobi a little bit because he, again, continues to be out in the ether. I don't think the Raptors can trade this dude right now, man. We're going to get into that before we do that. However, got to tell you about our friends over at Ibotta. Look, when you're going out and buying stuff, whether it's groceries, school shopping, getting a little something for yourself, you know you're spending that money anyway. So why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? With Ibotta, you can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your royalty account or loyalty account, that is, or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year in real cash back that could cover the cost of an entire grocery trip. I went shopping yesterday. I wouldn't have had to pay any money if I had that amount of money kicking around in my Ibotta account. So go and check them out right now. A typical basket of groceries is over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. Ibotta can help you get some of that money back. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners 5 bucks just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the App Store and Google, or Google Play store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. All right, we continue on. Rounding out the show here with Vivek Jacob. Thanks as always to the everydayers tuning into the show. Uh, let us know in the comments if you're an everyday listener of the podcast. We love you. If you're a new listener of the podcast, had a lot of new folks jumping in, checking out the YouTube and the, the audio the last couple days, it seems. Uh, welcome. Thanks for hanging and we uh, are happy to have you along become an everydayer. It's really fun. Join the Discord. Also very fun. By the way, tomorrow on the show, Joe Wolfond, he was supposed to be here today, but he'll be back tomorrow as he had to record Pound the Rock with our pal Joey Cash uh, today. So he'll be on tomorrow as we will uh, play a little mid-level madness ahead of free agency and all that good stuff with our dude Joey Dubs. Okay, big V. OG Ananobi. I think a part of my wish list this week is that the Raptors just do not trade him. Um, I know the extension stuff is concerning because the despite the changes in the CBA, you're probably not going to be able to offer him enough in his, on his extension to really make him take it with what he could probably earn if he just gets to market next year. That said, he's really good, and he is, I think, a perfect fit alongside Scotty Barnes. I've done a 180. At the trade deadline, I was trade OG. You got to clear out the decks a little bit. You got to, you know, balance the roster, get rid of some forwards. He's the guy you can get the most for right now. Go ahead and do it. I was wrong. That's dumb. He is a really good fit next to Scotty Barnes, and I think he's got to be part of the team. And I think it was accentuated by his play after the arrival of Jakob Pertl, which kind of locked everybody into place as far as the team hierarchy in terms of the shape of the floor, where OG was getting his looks from. It was really, really impressive the way he closed the season. I don't think you can move on from him if you want to build a team around Scotty Barnes going forward that's going to have a shot at being very good. Every good team wants and needs an OG Ananobi type if they want to kind of get to the highest level. And so uh, my wish list is just don't trade him. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's terribly likely. I know Pascal's name has kind of been more out there for the Blazers. Frankly, if I'm the Blazers, I want Pascal over OG because of the creation and the extra scoring punch that he brings. And just I think him and Dame would be a dynamite fit with one another. Not to say him and OG wouldn't, but Pascal's just a better overall basketball player right now. Um, where are you at with OG as far as what you want to see this week? Are you on the sort of don't trade him boat? Or are you maybe looking at options with him because of the value? Value you could in theory, you know, theoretically ret- ret- return for him. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I lean towards keeping OG. I think that uh, in terms of leaning younger, I think he fits that timeline as well. And mm-hmm. obviously, he'd be a really valuable piece. Um, I think 
you know, in terms of the hierarchy of like trade candidates, I'd probably put Pascal above OG. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of, you know, reading the tea leaves, hiring Darko, um, you know, the assistant coaches that have been brought into the mix, uh, you know, even if they were really, really adamant about, hey, we're going to, you know, level up and really focus on winning right now. I think there would have been, you know, a super experienced assistant that would have come into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and so n- reading into that a bit, I, I do think, you know, signs are pointing towards, hey, what can we get for Pascal? And then mm-hmm. uh, if we can't get what, what we want, then we'll evaluate from there. But OG, uh, I think he should be safe, barring, you know, him actually like saying that he wants out. Right, which I know is sort of like a, a concern point for a lot of fans. Like, oh, his role. He wasn't happy with his role last year. Is he going to want to walk? I just, I think that's kind of being overblown a little bit. Like, his role down the stretch was optimized. He was fantastic. Maybe a couple extra looks in there to throw his way, like self-created and all that stuff to like ease his mind or, you know, satiate his desire to create, whatever. But like, the way that he fit into the team down the stretch that was like excellent. That was an optimized version of OG. And the way Darko Ryakovic talks about playing basketball, I feel like all these sort of concerns about touches and not being involved are kind of going to wash away because it really seems like the philosophy of Darko is even if you're not shooting, being part of the offense feels good and being involved in the actions feels good. You're part of something. And I just feel like there's a very easy avenue here towards giving OG the sort of perceived role that he wants. We've never actually gotten like a clear bit of reporting of this is what OG wants to do. Like it's just, oh, he would like a little bit more of an offensive role. That's clearly all we've kind of gotten in the reporting from the various insiders. And so I'm not like worried about him as like a flight risk type. I'm not worried about him as someone who's ready to ask for a trade because he's upset with his role. I think everybody was upset with their role last season because no one had a role. It was just here. Let's just play basketball with five dudes and see what works. And just there was no structure. There was no plan. And that led to a very stilted offense where most possessions, you're sitting around watching another guy go in ISO until it's your turn to go in ISO. And so I feel like more than anything, the sort of OG role concern stuff is going to wash away with the arrival of Darko Ryakovich. And I'm not concerned about that being a, a, a sore point that, becomes the reason that he's leaving town um you know again the extension stuff for sure you have to have a bit of an idea i I think with his representation of hey can we retain you next summer like you got to have those conversations but by all accounts and i think jake fisher reported this like he'd be open to returning if he's got a role he's happy with and i think the coaching change is being slept on as a thing to change up the roles on this team and make it so everyone's a little bit more happy in what they're doing within the construct of what am I, am I crazy? Am I putting too much on the idea of Darko coming in and kind of making everybody happy? Am I like buying too much into the Darko Kool-Aid? I, I just feel like by the end of last season, everyone was miserable. No one liked Nick Nurse. It was just kind of a, a rancid setup. And I don't feel like that's going to be the case coming into this new season with a fresh set of eyes and someone who is there to try to make guys happy by being part of a team and a system where everyone gets to be involved yeah and i think what i'd add to that is like he isn't just some type of kumbaya guy right like i think everything he's spoken about offensively is someone who will bring structure to the offense and that's something that has been a focus for them and um i think what he will put in place offensively um we still have to see what the defense will look like Mm-hmm. Um, as, as appealing as don't worry about the defense, we'll have a great defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
might be. Uh, I'll wait to see it. Um, offensively, I, I do think he will um, bring an element that the team was missing last year and something that this team will enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. And so all of that together, uh, yeah, that in itself uh, might just make the team uh, better. Yeah. Um, keep OG. I'm fully back on the train of this guy is a one-of-one defender who you spent 20 years regretting trading. And this is someone who uh, traded OG in our Locked on NBA mock draft. And I, speaking from experience, the second I pulled the trigger on that trade, I was like, oh, I should have done that. Uh, like it, was, it, it was like a very quick realization. It was not a smart move by someone who should never be an NBA GM. Also, I did it for the content, baby, uh, to spruce that bad boy up. Anyway... I feel like that's a pretty good place to leave it. Any, pa- any last parting shots here? This is the last time we're going to speak before the draft. Uh, any last thoughts before we uh, head off into that very stressful next 48 hours as we wait to hear what the hell is going to go down? Uh, no, uh, nothing much really. Uh, well, we should get some insight from Dan Tolzman um, yep. in a few hours. And so that'll be nice to hear. Uh, and then, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can check out my work uh, at raptors.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. And, you know, I've kind of quickly, I will throw this in. I've been uh-huh. uh, tallying up all the mock drafts uh, and I've got about 13 or 14 of them Okay. put together. And based on the average pick, Kobe Bufkin would be at 13. But I, I, it, dude, I'm talking myself. This is like <laughs> bad. This is worse, I think, than I've ever been like on the the train for a draft guy in my life. I'm typically not this type of draft freak, and I typically <laughs> just like yeah, whatever. They're all it's all a crapshoot. I think I learned from my Brandon Knight uh, infatuation way back in the Jonas Valanciunas draft that getting too excited about the Raptors taking a guy is a one way track to disappointment. I'm always team low expectations and you're, you're in great, in great shape. I'm like fully Kobe's the guy at 13. If he's not, I'm going to have a tantrum like a little child in a grocery store. Uh, it's bad, man. It's really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. Of like the outlets that I have on here to have Koulibaly at 13. Right. Um, two have Bufkin at 13. Two have Jordan Hawkins at 13. Uh, the Works most me. is Jalen Hood Shafino. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes three times at 13 to the Raptors. I would not be upset about that either, man. I know you said you're maybe leaning towards the forward types if it's not Kobe. I, For me, my wish list is just take a guard. Like, Please just take a guard of some kind. Yeah. They're going to be a lot there at 13. And if a guy like Bilal Koulibaly is going to jump up and get drafted in the top 10, there's going to be this run on forwards between Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker. I, I feel like there's going to be just like a wealth of options at 13 for the Raptors to choose from. They're going to be able to get someone good, whether it's Hood Shafino, whether it's Wallace, Hawkins, Bufkin. Like I, I, like I said, I want it to be Bufkin. I'll be really, really sad if it's not, but also I'll be not that sad because they're probably getting a pretty good guard. As long as it's not Nick Smith Jr. I really don't like Nick Smith Jr., but. Uh, nothing against the guy himself, just the style of play, not exactly my cup of tea. But yeah, please just take a guard. Someone who can dribble would be so nice on this team. No, right? <laughs> Dribbling? Agreed. 
Agreed. what a concept uh we'll leave it there thank you so much for for hanging out big v thanks to you the listeners for tuning in uh and sending in your mailbag questions sorry if this was kind of an all over the place episode it's an all over the place time of year baby so uh you know you just got to deal with it but we'll be back again tomorrow joe wolfond will be along we're going to play a little mid-level madness which is our fun game where i put a bunch of free agents into a hat and we pull them out and talk about whether they'd fit with the raptors um we got that plus we'll get joe's thoughts ahead of the uh the draft and the sort of level of optimism he feels he's been quite skeptical of the raptors since the Jakob hurdle trade has talked about it on this very podcast we're going to get into his level of optimism that the raptors can wiggle themselves out of this tricky situation they found themselves in that's on tomorrow's show if you haven't yet go listen to monday's episode with Raphael barlow it was awesome some good intel on the talks and also some really great context on kobe bufkin and keontae george in particular and sort of their rises and or falls in the sort of eyes of, of draft evaluators and the sort of reasoning for it i think it was pretty useful he talked me a little bit back more into keontae george for example as a prospect because of the context he was able to offer because he knows what he's talking about uh we'll leave it there thank you so much for tuning in talk to you tuesday with another episode of lockdown raptors thanks for hanging Bye bye